Welcome to the podcast for people turning the great American RV adventure into stressless camping. We're glad you joined our weekly adventure. Now let's gather around the campfire with our hosts, Peggy and Tony Barthel. Welcome to the campfire. We are two RV industry veterans who travel part-time in a small trailer looking to share big adventures with you along with great tips tricks and discounts you know confucius is credited with having said may you live in interesting times darn you confucius yes and we are but we have some really uplifting and positive stuff for you this week but we're going to start with interesting rvs throughout the years i've written a number of articles recently on stressless camping about different rvs including (laughs) a flying rv and one that was built by a big car company and one that was designed by an aircraft designer that runs from corvair power woohoo corvair that's right we're big corvair enthusiasts we have had a lot of corvair Right. Because we're weird. Yep. Those articles are on the Stressless Camping website. Yep. But real quickly, the Corvair one was called the Ultra Van. It was designed by a guy in his garage because he wanted to take his boat and his travel trailer with him at the same time. Who doesn't? Right. And so this gentleman designed his own RV using a Corvair engine. And it was so popular that it became a production vehicle. That's one, the Ultra Van. The other one is the GMC motorhome after which Peggy and I lust. For sure. Oh my gosh. We want one of those so much. Yes. We keep looking for them and I know they're out there. GMC, General Motors actually built a motorhome using GM's really vast engineering of the late 60s, early 70s and created this motorhome using the universal power package, which was the Oldsmobile V8 with the front wheel drive. And it was pretty cool too. And then lastly, Winnebago created RVs from helicopters, Sikorsky (laughs) helicopters that actually were decommissioned military helicopters and they turned them into RVs and they made six of them in the 1970s. Oh, six. The interesting thing is they were up to $300,000 in 1970s times. Oh my. Yeah, but they're pretty cool. So we have those articles there for you on stressless camping. A nice diversionary little bit of fun for you to go and enjoy so hopefully yeah go go dream about weird vintage rvs (laughs) winnebago it was actually under their itasca brand the itasca helihome as it was called was a helicopter based winnebago was fmca compliant in those days they only allowed motorhomes yet if you bought a helihome you could actually be in the family motor coach association or fmca well there you go And we want to talk a little bit about the FMCA. I think it's no doubt that we're enthusiasts of the FMCA. And they have, you know, we've all experienced some certainly unusual times lately. For sure. With all of what's going on. And the FMCA had to cancel the rally that we were supposed to be at today. Today. (laughs) And we're not. We, In fact, we haven't been able to leave our sticks and bricks that there is a shelter in place enforcement in the county. And that's okay. We all want to protect all the others. Right. But the FMCA had to cancel that rally. And they also canceled So the next rally, and it's been, they have undergone some heat for it, and there are some challenges, but it's still 
really a terrific organization. I mean, you get discounts on tires, and who doesn't want that? Right. They have their medical assist, where if you get sick out on the road, they're there to help you out. Yeah, that's a great program. Yeah, so there are a lot of programs that are really great as part of the FMCA, and you no longer have to have a motorhome. You can have just about any configuration of RV. So you can have travel trailers as we do, or pickup campers, or motorhomes, or heck, <laughs> helicopter. helicopters, and be part. Right. So I've spent a little bit more time, since everybody seems to have a little bit more time right now, looking at their educational stuff, their pages. Oh, yeah. They actually have classes, and it goes through and teaches you things, and then gives you a little quiz on it. And then it's been a few days. I don't remember. You get like a attaboy when you, <laughs> when you I forget what you get. Like, obviously, they don't give you a trophy or anything, but they let you know that you successfully completed that little information course. Yeah, and that has value, too. Very much, and there's a lot of them. Yeah, it's crazy how many. So we do have a discount to join the FMCA, and boy, I'm sure they would really appreciate your membership now. And sure. it will pay you back. So give the FMCA a consideration. It's a good organization to belong to, and so there you go. So go check it out on the Deals and Discounts page on StresslessCamping.com. Right. Well, without further ado, we actually have two interviews this week. We've gotten to speak with some really cool gentlemen Indeed. this week. The first of which is Woody Faircloth, and this is just such an uplifting, incredible story. So without any further ado... Wait, one ado. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to point out that Woody and we talk about the campfire, and that's that might confuse some people who aren't aware of it, but in Northern California, in the town of Paradise, California, there was a fire, and Cal Fire names fires by kind of where they start or something locational. Well, this one happened to start like at a campground or something. So they named it the Camp Fire. And so the word campfire, which was always a word to me that meant wonderful, beautiful things because it meant we were camping and there was a campfire. For some amount of time, the word campfire instilled less than happy thoughts to me. Luckily, I'm getting over that. I just want to point out that when you hear us talking about campfire family, it means that particular fire called the campfire. Correct. Okay, that was now, my ado. <laughs> let's talk to Woody. Welcome to the campfire, Woody Faircloth from RV for Campfire Family. Woody, welcome. Thank you for being Thank here. Thank you. Thanks so much. Oh, it's great. I'm really excited to be on the show. It's a pleasure having you. And, and you've had quite a bit of media attention. So we're very fortunate that you chose to come and spend some time with us. Woody has done something quite special. He has donated a bunch of RVs to the people of Paradise, California. Yet before the fire, you hadn't been there or possibly even heard of that town, if I'm not mistaken. I had not. And I'd never been in an RV before. I Believe it or not, it was all brand new to me. Wow. Well, if you would, let our audience know about yourself and and what you're doing. I'm a single father. I've got four kids. Uh, My two oldest boys are in the Army. They graduated from West Point. And I have a daughter who plans to go to Cornell next year. And then I have a seven-year-old. And um, a year ago, Thanksgiving, my seven-year-old and I were going to be spending Thanksgiving alone, just the two of us. And I grew up in this big, intact family, just full of love and those holidays were always just kind of action-packed and I was a little sad frankly kind of wondering what I was going to do with this six-year-old at the time with no front teeth for the whole week and <laughs> you know we were, we were wildfire aware in Colorado and we were following the fires out there and just couldn't believe what we were seeing you know I saw a news story about one guy who said he was able to start the RV up on the side of his house before his house burned down and, and drive it away and he just needed one part and he'd be all set on housing and it just occurred to me in that moment that what a no-brainer 
there. You know, there are RVs everywhere. Surely we can find one and take it out there and find a family to give it to for Thanksgiving. And it'd be a great adventure for my daughter and I, and also we'd be doing something nice for somebody else. So I turned to my daughter and I asked her, I said, Luna, what do you think about finding an RV and driving to California and giving it to a family? And she just looked at me with those no front teeth and a big smile and said, Dad, God and Santa Claus are going to be really proud of us. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the moment I knew we were we were going to do this. And so what I did was I just started emailing and just to take a step back, I'd seen that 50,000 people were suddenly homeless, you know, just a couple weeks before Thanksgiving and some 50 first responders had lost their homes. And so I just, I started emailing everyone in Colorado that was selling a motor home that looked like we might be able to drive it to California. It would make it there. And one guy got back to me and said, Hey, I'll sell you mine for $2,500 and take a big hit on it, but I love what you're doing. And so we bought it. And the day before Thanksgiving, we, we hopped in it and off we went. Wow. That's awesome. And how do you find the families? Well, first of all, tell our audience, how many of these RVs have you now donated to the people of paradise? It's incredible. Yeah. As of last week, we've, we've delivered 80 RVs to families there. We still have over a hundred on our waiting list for housing, which is just incredible in this day and age that that many people could still be kind of falling through the cracks. Right. But, you know, when you lose everything, you need everything. And housing is certainly a big one. When we were driving out there, I created this RV for campfire family. And, you know, it was in, that's singular, right? It was intended mm-hmm. to deliver one RV. But I posted, a, I created the RV for campfire family at gmail.com email address. And I posted on one of the Facebook release sites, you know, it was telling people where to evacuate to and where they could get food and, and services. And I just said, hi, I'm a, I'm a father from Colorado. My six-year-old are driving out here and we've got an RV. We'd like to find a first responder to give it to, but we're kind of open to anyone who might need it. And just email us back and tell us a little bit about your story. And, you know, my phone just literally melted. I mean, I got hundreds <laughs> of responses for people just crying out for housing. I mean, it was just, it was a little overwhelming. A good friend of mine who's actually lives in California and she works for media relations for one of the universities out there. She had called me and said, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And I told her what our plans were. And she said, oh my gosh, this story needs to be told. And she convinced me to wait around a few minutes for a news crew to come and do a story. And we did. What happened was we also got stopped in Las Vegas on the way there and they did a news story on us there too. And I guess it was a slow news week that week of Thanksgiving. But, you know, what happened was people started contacting me and saying, hey, I've got an RV. I'll be happy to donate to you. And, you know, one guy said, I've got two RVs I'd like to donate, but I need a charitable donation letter so I can write it off on my taxes. And I didn't know anything about that. And about that time, my phone rang. There was a guy uh, from Denver. He said, hey, I'm an attorney. If you need any legal support, you don't have to provide it. And I said, I'll call this guy. You know, he needs a charitable donation letter. And so it's just all the pieces just started falling into place. And another friend of mine had contacted me and said, hey, I can build a database of people who need help and people who are offering to help. And so we created these intake forms that somebody wanted to donate an RV. It's just a Google Docs, really simple, but a great way to capture the information. And so, you know, people started filling those forms out. It would give me a notice on my phone. I'd call them and we'd match them up with a family to get these RVs delivered. But it was it's kind of incredible. You know, when we got out there, we were kind of celebrating because we'd made the trip and we were really excited, but we are just blown away by the devastation out there and the people that were just really hurting. And, you know, the thing that was really kind of shocking was it was, you know, it was people like you and me. I mean, it was people who lived in nice homes and had jobs and drove their cars to work every day and suddenly they had lost everything. Right. I mean, and it's just, it was overwhelming and I was like, look, we got to get out of here. You know, you got to go back to school and I've got to go back to work. But all those barriers to us doing this more kept falling and I just kind of realized at one point that I wasn't driving the RV anymore, that, that God was involved <laughs> and, and kind of, you know, using us and I was like, okay, you know, let's, I just kind of surrendered to that and we're, you know, we're still at it. Wow. The thing that 
might surprise some people is Paradise was kind of a small town and that fire rolled through there so quickly, but it didn't just take people's homes, although it obviously did, but it took their businesses and it took the places that they work and it took the hospital. It was it's insane how it effectively wiped the entire town out. Right. It really did. And you know, everybody lost their source of income, their jobs, their homes, their businesses. And it was just it was kind of like a hopeless situation, frankly. But you know, some of the people we helped, we helped uh, two college professors, uh, a married couple, and they were teaching at Butte College and they lost their home, but they wanted to be back in December or in January for the new semester. And so we were able to get an RV for them. And we had a family that had a six-year-old child who had cerebral palsy and was being fed via a feeding tube and they were living in their minivan, right? And that's just, that's not oh my okay. God. And so we, we got them one right away. And I can't tell you how many veterans we helped because, you know, they've been there for the rest of us. So we thought, we should help veterans and just the stories like are just I could go on and on about the kind of need that was out there. We we helped a single mother with four kids. She had this beautiful piece of property. It was eighteen acres. It's overlooking the Orville Reservoir. Her home was fully paid off and she had just gone through a divorce and her insurance lapsed. Oh and so oh, no. she lost everything and the, and FEMA, you know, FEMA they come in and, and I would never take a shot at FEMA or the Red Cross or anyone, but they're really good at helping the masses, right? But you just to give you a little snapshot, that woman who lost her, her home, it was fully paid off. You know, the maximum FEMA payout is around $30,000, you know, and, you know, what are you going to do with that, right? right? If you don't have insurance and then if you're a renter and you've lost everything, the maximum FEMA payout is around $10,000, which when the rents have, you know, quadrupled. Yeah. Yeah. Can't even get you back on your feet. Yeah. The, the inventory of rental properties, all of a sudden, as we saw here, we live in Lake County or that's where our, our main house is. And after the valley fire the inventory of rental properties just completely dries up and then if you have it still and it's available there's a long list of people waiting to get in so that's nothing like what happened in paradise where it just wiped out the it's town. just amazing and you know, a lot of a lot of people think when the fire's out you know the news cameras leave you know everything's okay but that's when really things started getting tough for the people there and you know we're still pulling people we, we pulled a guy just this past christmas who'd been living in a tent for eight months so he could be near his two sons who were living with his mother just outside the burn scar. And, uh, you know, he'd get up, he'd go to work every day and come home and climb back in his tent. And wow. you know, he, he reached out to us and said, look, I just, I haven't reached out before because I know other people needed help more than me, but I just want a place where I can have dinner, invite my kids over and have dinner with them. And so we were able to get him an RV too. So That's... I just feel really blessed to be in a position to do it and having a platform to do it. Right. And where are you finding these RVs at this point? Because 80 RVs, that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's it's amazing. We, we've gotten them from all over. And, and a lot of it, you know, you talked about media coverage. And, you know, I was reluctant to do that first interview because we were kind of late leaving. And, you know, it's not why we were doing it. But what I realized is every time we did any media, people kind of heard about what we were doing and may have been trying to sell an RV and not having any luck and contacted us and donated it. You know, it's a, it's a really kind of nice model because we're able to give them the charitable donation letter for the full appraised value. And depending on their tax situation, they can write off 
that value on their taxes, which is which is a great win. They can always sell it for the full price value, but they can write it off for that, which right. is a great kind of win win win, you know. And so most of it's been word of mouth, people just hearing about what we're doing. We recently were on the Kelly Clarkson show, which was kind of interesting. And her husband, who's a big Nashville country music manager, his assistant contacted us after the taping and said that they were so moved by it. They wanted to Kelly Clarkson and her husband wanted to donate their fifth wheel to us, which is a really nice, oh, it's like wow. $150,000 <laughs> fifth wheel. Yeah. Wow, so we were cool. really excited about that. So they come, they come from everywhere. Wow. That's, that's so somebody out there is living in Kelly Clarkson's fifth wheel. Soon too. They, oh. they, they said they needed, they needed to clean some things out of it. It's at their ranch in Montana. They needed to clean some things out of it first, but they said it was ours and they just need a little time to do that. Wow. wow. That's so awesome. Going through paradise. I mean, obviously you were there shortly after the fire happened and it's been over a year now, right? Because that was November of 2018. That's a Correct. year and a half almost. Right, almost. What are you seeing now? Is there signs of life coming back and rebuilding? There are, you know, we, we um, there, there are some homes starting to be rebuilt there and people are we're moving back. There are a lot of people living in RVs on their property. Um, the utility networks had to be rebuilt. I mean, that fire was so hot it even burned like the guardrails on the side of the road. You know, they're aluminum guardrails. They just vaporized. They melted and vaporized. So they yeah. had to build all the new infrastructure for that community. And it's starting to, to slowly come back, but, you know, it's going to take, you know, there are a lot of trees that are still standing, but when they get burned by fire, I guess the trees kind of push their moisture out to try to save themselves. But the trees are dead and they have to cut down something like a million trees in that area, I think, is the last number I heard, which is, it'll be decades before it's ever back to where it was. But, you know, home is home. We had one family we helped, they actually ended up moving to Texas and they were there for about four months and they decided they missed home and they wanted to come home so they, they came back to paradise and there's a really strong sense of community there and i think that community will definitely rebuild it's just going to take time yeah yeah it's it's amazing that town has just such a, a strong sense of community you're right and through life circumstance i know a number of people who either had lived there or still do and that town just has this powerful community sense to it that's so awesome that you're able to help people because i don't you know having lived through a number of fires and oddly enough during some of these that's right when i was working in the rv industry and you know everyone says well you know don't they have insurance or what about people with insurance well let's say your house is appraised at just to pull a number out of the sky a hundred thousand dollars which in california is more like the phone booth but still <laughs> you may have insurance for a hundred thousand dollars but all of a sudden building costs go sky high and it a hundred thousand dollars won't even come close to rebuilding what you have or of course building standards have changed so much that for example here and where we live there is a lot of property owners who literally could not rebuild their housing because the rules had changed such that on their property they weren't allowed to build anymore it, it's it's crazy you know you, you assume oh well fire came i'm just going to rebuild and yeah. sometimes you just can't or it's just financially impossible so these rvs are, are just saving people from sleeping in the cold yeah it really has and, that, and that's kind of why you know we're still doing it after all this time is one we've been blessed with this platform where people bring us rvs or or have donated financially and and we're able to make improvements to rvs when they're donated if there's some you know a few things that need to be taken care of because the last thing we want to do is give people more problems right so right, we, right. we really spend time and we have some folks there locally who do that work for us and yeah but to your point it's just you know it's a it's a tragedy i wouldn't wish on on anyone I and mean, it's just it's 
it's horrifying to lose something when life is just going along like normal and all of a sudden things change in an instant. It's really shocking to yeah. see the impact on people and, and that community. Unless you've gone through it, there's nothing like it that you can describe. I mean, it's it's just crazy. Now, have you uh, kept in touch with a lot of these people whom you've given RVs to? Oh, these will be lifelong friends for sure. I mean, there's something that's so powerful, you know, when somebody has lost everything and to be able to provide them something as basic as shelter. Yeah, they, they, we've made some friends that will they'll be in our lives forever for sure. Wow. And, and you're still in, you're still living in Colorado, but making the trek to paradise. Well, ADRVs, it seems like weekly. Yeah, we get out there as much as we can. You know, and again, it's kind of like, you know, I'll never walk into my home again and not just be thankful that it's here. You know, it's such a place of refuge home is. And yeah. so when you meet people who have lost it through no fault of their own, you know, it's hard not to want to help once you get a taste of what that feels like to help somebody in that situation. Yeah. The need is, is incredible. And I just can't imagine how much these people's lives improve just getting a roof over their heads. Yeah, it just gives you a chance, you know, it gives you a chance to start over. And there's a lot more to it than just having a roof over your head, but at least they have a chance. And you don't when you're in a shelter or you're living in your car or a tent. I mean, it's just, right. it's just not the way to live. And a lot of these people, you know, some might say, well, why don't they move somewhere else? But these people have invested their energy into making the community rebuilding and bringing it back. And this gives them another opportunity to do so. That's true. And another unique thing about this town is it's where the California gold rush started. And so you have these multi-generational families that are there. I mean, we've helped families who they lost eight homes and they're uh, in the fire, like grandma's house, you know, the cousins and the uncles and aunts and brothers, everybody lost their home. So, you know, if something happened to me, I grew up in North Carolina and my parents are still there. I've got two brothers there. If something happened here in, in Denver, you know, I could always go back home and right. have a place to go. A lot and, of people and, can relocate. Right. But they, these folks, a lot of them, you know, they don't have their safety net burned down too, you know, and so it's just, it's just tragic what happened there. Yeah, that's true. It is a community people tend to stay in and multi-generational. Like I say, mm -hmm. we have friends who live there who lost their homes and it's quite something. Now, you had mentioned Luna. Is she still able to come with you to deliver some of these? This must be quite a, I mean, what an impression you make on your daughter. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's been, uh, it's been pretty amazing journey for the two of us and we've together, we've made eight trips from Denver. It's about 1,200 miles and it's a beautiful drive, that's sure, but it's long <laughs> and she, you know, she loves it because there's not a lot of food along the way except those big cinnamon buns are about the size of your head that <laughs> she loves to grab one of those <laughs> the gas stations and you know, the guy who uh, who sold me that first RV told me, he said, hey, it'll pass everything but a gas station and uh, he was kind of <laughs> right about that. But yeah, we've, you know, we've made the drive about eight times. I've flown out a couple times. A lot of, a lot of these we have delivered. You know, when somebody donates an RV, if they're interested and, and want to deliver it to the recipient family, we definitely let them do that, you know, or they can just do it anonymously and we'll get it to the family however it, it works best. And if somebody wants to either donate an RV or I would imagine there's a lot of expenses associated with this, as you said, you know, they pass everything but a gas station. Right. <laughs> right. How would somebody get involved and, and help out, be part of this solution? Oh, we would welcome any and all help. We've, we've got a website. It's rv4campfirefamily.org or you can email us at rv4campfirefamily at gmail.com and we'll get right back to you. We have an intake form if somebody wanted to donate an RV that's on our website and if you send us an email, you'll see it, the automatic reply that comes back and it's just a link to Google. You fill out the information and then, you know, there's no obligation but that'll prompt us to contact you and we can talk about logistics and the process 
us if somebody's interested in, in donating an RV. And, you know, there's a financial donation button on our website, too. Fantastic. Right. That's outstanding. Yeah, and just so people know, this campfire, there were 52,000 people evacuated, 18,804 buildings destroyed overall, 85 civilian fatalities. There were five firefighter injuries, 12 civilian injuries, total of 153,000 acres. It was an insane event. Just rolled through that town in no time. Yeah. It really was. And, you know, we, we kind of think that, you know, when I think about, you know, where we go from here and, and we're obviously we're still going to help the families that need help in that community. But, you know, this model we've created, we think is applicable to any time there's an emergency need for transitional or emergency housing. And we'd like to kind of look at, you know, if a big hurricane rolled through Florida, just being there, especially for, you know, the folks that first responders and, and folks like that that need help right away. And a lot of times the big organizations can't mobilize that quickly. And we just found that we're able to do it really quickly and, and be there in a minute's notice. So that's kind of our long-term goal is to, to be there, if, you know, if a tornado affects a town or a big hurricane or, you know, God forbid, another fire like this is yeah. the community. Yeah, right. let's hope not because when I worked at the RV dealership, we sold RVs to FEMA and it was not a quick process. Yeah. Right. It was quite some time after the fire happened and then there was a whole paperwork process and getting approved and all that. So the fact that you're on the ground and can be mobilized in virtually no time could make the difference between being homeless out in a disaster zone and, and having a roof over your head. So it's incredible what you're doing, Woody. I, I, I applaud you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Well, people like you are what make this a wonderful place to be. That's right. Well, I, I appreciate that. But again, I was just trying to keep my six-year-old busy. Like, she's pretty <laughs> high energy. And I needed to take her on an adventure. And it just, it, it's amazing. I think in all seriousness, what happens when you, if you do something kind for someone else with no expectation of anything in return, just what is possible. And, and another thing that I think people in situations like that want to help, but they often don't know how to help. And you know, once they saw what we were doing, people contacted us in the ways that they could help. Like the attorney contacted us and said, hey, I can give you any free legal advice. And somebody's really good with data said, hey, I'll build a database for you. So it's just kind of amazing to see how people get on board and, and offer what gifts they have to, to kind of help the process. And then, of course, the people who donated RVs, I mean, those are the real heroes because that, that's the <laughs> yeah. biggest piece for us. So yeah, yeah. it's just been an amazing, amazing journey. I met some of the kindest people I've ever met and learned a lot about RVs, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially having not come from being an RVer. Oh, it's amazing. I know about travel trailers and fifth wheels and motorhomes and black tanks and gray tanks and <laughs> macerators. I, mean, I know it all now. <laughs> Has this given you any desire to go out and RV and go camping now when you're not delivering to Paradise? Oh, I, I tell you, I love it. <laughs> I, I, my daughter and I absolutely love it. And, you know, one time we'll actually go somewhere and just enjoy ourselves as opposed to going from point A to point B and, Good. you know, hugging it out and giving somebody the keys to their new place. But, yeah, I, I can't wait till one day maybe go do some RVN for, for fun. Right. Oh, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> well, Woody, what a real pleasure it is to finally be able to connect with you and share your story and keep doing what you're doing. I know the people that I know in Paradise have definitely benefited from what you're doing and and it's just good to have people like you in our community thank yes. you well thank you guys so much for up and getting the, the word out there that there's still hope that's needed and and uh, for helping us tell the story i really appreciate it absolutely and again we'll have links to where people can make donations or how they can contact you oh fantastic thank you you betcha well maybe we'll cross paths because we're not that far from paradise that's ourselves right. so that sounds great i'd love to meet you guys likewise all right well thank you thank you woody we really 
really appreciate you talking with us and sharing your story. What an uplifting story. Woody has just gone about making people's lives better. Woody and Luna. Oh, yeah. Don't want, <laughs> absolutely. We want to include Luna. For sure. It's just such an uplifting story. And, and we're just happy as heck that Woody came in and spent some time with us here. And now that we have sort of what happens after disaster, right? we also have a gentleman that we spoke with who talks about disaster preparedness. And that's Patrick Hardy. And without any further ado, that is something you're also going to want to take note of. This guy has really prepared something we all need to be a little more aware of. So without any further ado, here's Patrick Hardy. We are here today with Patrick Hardy. And uh, Patrick, welcome to the campfire. Thank you both very much for having me today. Patrick has a lot of experience at disaster preparedness. And you might say that that comes in handy right now with all of what is going on. And he's got a new app that's out that is all about preparing for disasters and making plans. So uh, tell us a little about that, Patrick, and welcome. Well, thank you very much for having me. And yes, you know the old adage, they have an app for every Everything. Well, that's really true to today. We have an app for everything. Um, one of the things that we created is this wonderfully empowering uh, mobile app called Disaster Hawk. Hawk like the bird. And what that app allows people to do is it lets people create a custom disaster plan right in the app. And it lets you do it instead of it taking hours of time, taking lots of time out of your day and with a lot of onerous questions. It just asks you a few simple questions and you can finish it in 90 seconds. And you can create a COVID plan for your family. You can create a COVID plan for your small business. And you can create one for your campground. As a matter of fact, just this morning, we officially went live with the RV park and campground uh, disaster plan for COVID-19. Um, the app is completely free. And it's a resource that we are offering exclusively at this point. Because we want campground owners and campers as well to actually have something that they can create directly for themselves, like right in the app without having to use a middle person. We want you to be totally in control of your own disaster plans. Tell me a little about how your service reflects to RVers and campgrounds because these times things are weird for all of us. Absolutely. And with this, you know, with the with the ongoing pandemic, it's forcing people to rethink the way that they're living their normal day-to-day um, -day schema, right? So, so people now are having to modify the way they work, the way they play, the way they do things. Even something is going to the store now requires additional contemplation because you have to figure out what time you're going to go. Are you willing to risk interacting with people who perhaps may have interacted with somebody who may have had it or may have been exposed to it. So it's creating a brand new mechanism for the way our society operates. And I find it interesting because I've been a disaster planner for about 15 years. This is about as heightened um, a level of of um, attention that I've ever seen. And I was there during Hurricane Katrina. I was there during Sandy. I've been in earthquakes. I've been in all kinds of things, but I've never seen anything quite like this before. So it's very interesting to see how people are now having to really rethink the way they do things. Most of our audience are either RVers or wannabe RVers or campground. We have a disaster preparedness app, which campers and campgrounds can use to create disaster plans right in the app. Wow, that could really help. We've talked in the past about we have friends who have had medical emergencies on the road and some tips for how to handle that situation. But something mm -hmm. like this can go a lot further and make you think of all the options. Yeah, and in fact, uh, one of the things that it'll also do is for people who, who actually live 
live in an RV full time or people who travel for months at a time in an RV, we have a plan that will could be used by someone who either lives in an RV or travels on the road in an RV and you can create a disaster plan directly for your family right in the app. Because whenever you visit a campground, you're basically, your house is self-contained because you're traveling, it's going along wherever you go. So we want to make sure that people have the preparedness that they need. And you're absolutely right. This goes way beyond that because we talk about things like how to isolate yourself, how to communicate, how do you, what do you need to do when you show up at a park? What questions should you be asking? How should you prepare for if you have to evacuate? Where would you go? These are all provisions and things that we think that it's really important uh, that people plan for. And that's why we've gotten so detailed in this app. Wow. And what is the cost of the app? It is absolutely free. We're not charging anything because for us, we feel as though this threat is serious enough that we want people to have this resource available to, to them. So they can download it in the app store or in Google Play. And it's free for campground owners as well. Anyone who wants to, to download it and use it, it will absolutely be there. And you know you can use the app. So it sounds like a very responsible thing for a campground owner to have and mm-hmm. something that could really save a life of an RVer. Yeah, it can. Um, one of the things that we're finding is that, as a matter of fact, I was uh, recently on a webinar uh, with ARVC and I was, and when I was talking with them, I was talking to campground owners and RV park owners and saying, listen, if you're going to have a park, you've got to have solid, directed policies that are unequivocally clear to everybody who arrives. You have to lay out provisions for your employees because frankly, everybody's nervous and everyone is anxious. And the attitude that I take with every client I have, and I work in a lot of industries, I work with restaurants and bars and charter schools and everything. I say to them, you really have two choices. Either you control the disaster or the disaster controls you. That's the choice you you make. And when you create a disaster plan, you have then made the affirmative choice that you're going to be in control. And the people who visit your park, they're going to know in an instant if you are prepared or not. They're going to know in an instant if you are ahead of the curve, if you if you are really taking the steps to protect them or not. And that can have lasting long-term effects because these folks will come to your park seasonally and maybe they've never been to your park before. But if they see that you're really ahead of the game, they're more willing to come back to where you are versus a park that may be totally unprepared. Yeah, it's amazing. And one of the things I do as a as a hobby is I have a big car show that we put on and there are we estimate three to five thousand people wandering around and last Mm -hmm. year was the first year our local police department required us to have a written disaster plan and truthfully at first i was annoyed because you always assume nothing's going to go wrong but boy i was really happy when i could hand that to our volunteers is there a way so let's say you have your plan written using the app is there a way to then disseminate that or share that with others yes you actually can go into the app and you can search for the plan. So if your car show, they could actually type in the name of the show and then your plan will pop up. And all they have to do is follow that plan. And once they've done so, and they can view your entire disaster plan, just the parts you want the public to see, the private portions of the plan. So the parts of the plan you only want your staff to see, what we would do is we would gather those email addresses so that those people would have exclusive access to the, to the staff viewable portions and the public would have access 
access to everything else, how you want them to evacuate, how you want them to behave, how do they know who the staff members are, what kind of direction. And that gives them peace of mind because, as you know, written plans are wonderful, but if you can't constantly update them as a disaster is going on, you're going to be a little bit behind. And so that's why this app says written plans are great, but let's build on that. Let's take it to the next level so we can update this and we can keep it so that it's really dynamic and energized. Otherwise, the plans can be really static. As we're talking, another place I see this could really come in handy is if you're putting mm-hmm. on an RV show, because we have this big RV show calendar on our website, this Wonderful. would be perfect. You've got potentially thousands of people in one place. And if something goes haywire, it can be something minor, like somebody tripped. Sure. It's good to have a written plan of action, and that can save you a lot of headache down the road too, dealing with your insurance company. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I'll take it a step farther, which is if there's anyone who is interested in putting on an event like that, and they would like to actually put their event plan on the app, we will assist them in doing that. We will actually customize it with them on the phone. So we'll actually have an appointment with them. And so like for you, we'll sit down, we'll talk a little bit, we'll walk through it. So your plan is completely customized so that people can actually have access to the app. And then on top of it, for a lot of events, we'll actually go out to the event. I'll send somebody to the event to make sure that everything is implemented. So it's almost as if you have a personal emergency manager right at your fingertips. So if you have a disaster, you have somebody who's there who knows your disaster plan, knows what has to be done, and can act as like your personal advisor so that anything that's happening, you're never caught flat-footed, no matter what. This is, I am just really blown away by this. And again, it's not just for RV parks or RVers out on the road, but if you're putting on, let's say you have a church gathering or a RV show or... Or a family. Yeah, car (laughs) show. Some of these family (laughs) gatherings are disasters. <laughs> and that's the reason why we developed it. And the reason why I had this idea was because I remember in 2005 during Hurricane Katrina, and I remember going around uh, New Orleans, and I ended up staying in New Orleans for many, many years after that. And one of the things I realized was I said, look, big corporations, they have the resources to protect themselves. Big governments, they have the resources, but families don't have them. Small businesses don't have them. So I really committed myself to saying, what kind of tools can we develop and implement that people are not only going to like, but they're going to love. Products that are going to put them in a position where they control their own disaster response, because you're absolutely right. Disasters can occur anywhere, at any time. You could be having events anywhere. So when those things happen, people need to have these tools available to them at their fingertips. And that's why when I developed the app, the first thing they asked me was, they said, well, do you want to make this a free app or a paid app? I said, it's free. This is going to be a free app because I want people to create this. And then later on down the line, there's different plans that people can purchase. So they can purchase a tornado plan. You can purchase a hurricane plan. And I only charge a dollar a month for those. But for COVID, we're not going to charge anything at all. For the entire time where there's a national emergency, we will always keep the COVID plans free because we want this to be something where people feel comfortable in, in using this brand new tool. So that's the reason why we're trying to make it as available as widely as we can. Wow. Well, Patrick, I think you're really onto something and I'm going to encourage people to look at Disaster Hawk. Think of any gathering you do or even for yourself, and it's available for both the iPhone and on Android, so that's good. 
Boy, I sure appreciate your sharing this with us today, and it's great information. Yes. Yeah, no, thank you very, very much, both of you, for having me. I really appreciate it. And we'll also provide our contact details. So if there's anyone who's holding an event of any type who is interested in having us support them by creating a custom plan for their event, once everything begins to calm down, the events begin to resurface again, they can reach out to us directly. And we will be more than happy to create something specific for them because that's the whole purpose of it. So thank you very much, both of you, for having me today. I really appreciate it appreciate it very much. Absolutely. It's good to meet you here and I look forward to working with you for uh, my events and hearing from others how they've succeeded with this. Sounds good. Thank you very much. You bet. Yeah, I think your app you. is incredible. If we put these tools into the hands of individuals, they'll be in a place where they'll feel more confident. They'll feel more relaxed because disasters are always distressing things. Did you all download that app while you were listening? Yeah, we did. Well, not <laughs> while we were listening. We downloaded it while we were talking to Patrick. I meant the listeners. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, as we debuted last week, we have a brand new feature that started last week called The List. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I won't always do that. That's okay. Well, you know. <laughs> okay, the list. The list. Bump, bump, bump. I had to do it. <laughs> so these are things you can make in your RV that are cast iron skillet breads. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll have a picture of one of them. And, you know, that RV oven actually is not a horrible thing. We recommend putting a cooking stone in it, and it really distributes the heat a lot better. But basically, for all of these recipes, all you're going to need is your cast iron skillet or your Dutch oven. And of course, the <laughs> obviously the ingredients. Some flour and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you don't need a stand mixer and a lot of complicated things. It's basically a bowl. Right. And we use, we have these nesting pots and pans and we use the largest of those as the mixing bowl to make these. Right. That way we don't need a separate mixing bowl. By the way, after we're going to be allowed back out, <laughs> We're going to have to really get our exercise game on because... Yeah, because did we really need a whole loaf of bread to ourselves? Yes. <laughs> Ask my jeans. Yeah, right. <laughs> my jeans are screaming. So here's a list of breads that you can make with your cast iron skillet in no particular order. My favorite. Cheddar bacon beer bread. Mm -mm. Mm, that would be really good with some of that peanut butter and jelly chili that you make. Oh, yeah. And the good thing about this one is it uses beer instead of yeast. So if you're not one to keep yeast around very much, this is the way to go. Yeah, I assume you have beer around. Then there's the rosemary focaccia bread. Yeah. Mm-mm. That's good. There's the no-need whole wheat skillet bread. Now, if you are used to making breads and you know kneading usually takes a lot of space, although I did knead my bread right in the bowl, but the no-need is a good alternative when you're in a limited kitchen in your RV. But what if I need bread? I'm sorry, different need. <laughs> With or without the K. The Irish soda bread is one I made actually today. Also doesn't use yeast. It used baking soda and buttermilk. 
buttermilk. And we actually don't bother to go to the store and buy fresh buttermilk. We use a powder that can be added to water that makes buttermilk. So we always have buttermilk handy. Yeah, it's Bob's Red Mill is our favorite one. Right. Yeah, it's uh, you sort of always have instant buttermilk, just add water. Yeah. And then, of course, Indian naan. Which I think would be a good pizza crust. Yeah, absolutely. So you can do uh, Indian naan or pizza crust with the same thing. Right. And then when we're back to the no-need concept, how about bread. some no-need rosemary parmesan skillet bread? Oh, yeah. Right. I remember one of the first campgrounds I ever went to as an adult, if you consider me an adult, and there were rosemary bushes between each campsite, and it just, it was awesome. I love rosemary. Yeah, absolutely. So there you could basically pick the rosemary <laughs> at that campground. And I love all my other ants, too. Oh. <laughs> all right. How about rolls, you know? Some buns, son. Some buns, son. So the herb skillet rolls are actually a bread, and then you break it into pieces and make individual rolls, kind of like a pull-apart bread. Yeah, and we're back to the bread you don't need, even though you need it. <laughs> okay, so I love olives. Yeah. Peggy hates olives. I'm not a big fan of olives. Remember that guy we ran into at the ocean five or six episodes ago, and he was talking about olive, but that was a different olive. <laughs> oh, boy. You have your olives. I'm going with the cinnamon swirl bread. Oh, yeah. Well, we I don't think I mentioned it was no-need garlic olive bread. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, cinnamon swirl bread. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. And then there's the skillet pita bread. So there are links for all 10 of these breads in our show notes. And yep. we hope that you get out there and make some bread and show us pictures and make us jealous because we, we got to spread this out. I was going to say we don't have to make them all, which isn't true. We just have to not make them all in one week. <laughs> right. We do plan to be able to get back out through the doors of our house and not have to Let's cut hope. out the window. <laughs> Remember the RV door is even narrower. <laughs> We want to be able to get in the camper. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure that at some point that we exceed the weight limit of the darn thing. There you go. Oh, my word. Well, anyway, there is this week's The List. The List. And that's what we have for you. Two great interviews. In my opinion, hopefully you download the Disaster Preparedness app. It's something we all should be cognizant of. For sure. If you've got a favorite destination or question, you can join us on our Facebook group. It's a fun discussion with lots of happy campers there. Or if you're already a stressless camper or a dreamer and you need some help pushing you along to be a stressless camper, come to our Facebook page. Let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, we're in all the social places, but you can find us at stresslesscamping.com. And from there, that's a jumping off place to find us on the internet. That's right. If you don't want to miss a future episode of the Stressless Camping Podcast, you know it's free to subscribe on any app. We're saving you a seat around our virtual campfire and a review would really help others to find the podcast. And more listeners means we continue to get great guests for you to hear. Yes, and we can't tell you how much those reviews mean to us. So thank you in advance for taking a moment of your time. Hey, we're all sitting around the campfire and staring at our phones anyway. So <laughs> that would help. Thank you very much, everybody. We appreciate your being here and happy, happy camping. camping. Time to get out on your own journey. Don't forget to leave the review on your favorite podcast app. And visit StresslessCamping.com for photos, stories, an RV calendar, and more. I'm Stressless Camper Larry Richardson wishing you happy camping.